Thanks for joining us on the Father's House podcast, where we are leading people into a growing relationship with Jesus. Want to learn more about us? Check us out online at thefathershouse.com. We'd love to stay connected. Now, let's go to this week's message. Man, it's good to see you today. And those of you that are watching online, so glad you're joining with us today. We're in the 10th week of this. I've got the power. I hope you haven't got bored with this. And I hope every time you hear that little chickity chick sound, whatever it is, of a connection, that it just reminds you that you've got the power. I don't know what that chickity chick, but I meant that little static. Static, there it is. It's another word I come up with. If you've been here for very long, I'll come up with a lot of words. They're keeping a list of those so that when I die, they can publish a book of uh, PTisms. So anyway, um, don't glad you're here. Thanks for being here. So it's all a good time. Hey, let me just say that in uh, November, I think it's the first Sunday of November, we're having a question and answer time after church about our Holy Land tour. We're going back to the Holy Land December 5 through the 14th, 2022. And uh, uh, Joe, our advisor, will be with us by Zoom. And any questions you have about that, we will do. And yes, most of you have the question, will I need to be vaccinated? And as of now, you will need to be vaccinated to go with us on the trip. And in fact, it's not just Israel but anywhere you go in Europe, you will have to be vaccinated. So uh, we don't know how that will change between now and then. We may have 22 other vaccines. Who knows? But uh, listen what? God's got it all in control, and I don't have any fear. How about you? I'm just living in that. Hey, let me take off my shepherd-loving hat and put on another hat called the Big Brother hat. Be on time. Be on time. If you get here on time, you're late, Okay. Can you imagine Andrea being up here and leading worship and all of a sudden you meandering in 10, 15 minutes after we've started? Now, what if you were in charge? What would that say to you? Well, Andrea, you're not really very important right now leading worship. And, of course, it happens to me while I'm teaching. People come in. and The other day, you know, people come in with three cups of coffee holding them and trying to pass out coffee to somebody else. And Coffee is stopped when service starts. So if you get here when it's time to start, bring your own coffee. B-Y-O-C, whatever it is, all right? I mean, let's just have some common courtesy. Let's grow up in the house of God. It's not all about you, but it's about the people that are around you, okay? All right. Now, if you get offended, then to make it right, you got to get uh, take care of that, all right? You got to say, I forgive you, okay? Is that okay? And uh, listen, if you have two good legs... Don't park out front. Save that space for people that need that. Okay? Is that all right? And, uh, wow, it got quiet in this house, but that's okay. You know what? It's not the first time. I tell people all the time, if you come here very long, I'll probably offend you. So maybe I got one up on you today, but just think about what if you were in charge? What if it's your meeting? What if you're preaching? What if you're leading? All right? And we all at times get caught. I've been late. How many have been late before? You know, you don't, you don't, sometimes we get caught. Uh, There's a a wreck or something else. But I'm just saying common courtesy in this thing that's called the body of Christ in the church where we encourage one another. All right. Hey, let's look at our verse of Scripture. It's our theme verse that we've been looking at for several weeks. And would you read it with me? Acts 1 and 8. Let's say it together. But you shall receive power when the Holy Spirit comes upon you. I, uh, I asked you when we started 10 weeks ago to give me a blank sheet of paper. 
I said, regardless if you're charismatic, Pentecostal, or uh, talking about the Holy Spirit, he's sort of like that strange uncle that you've never invite, that you never talk about. I ask you, give me a blank sheet of paper, and for the next weeks, let's look at what the Bible says about the Holy Spirit. Let's look at what the Bible says about the gifts of the Spirit. And I've had so many of you send me texts or emails or talk to me between service and saying, thank you so much. Thank you. I, I, I've learned things I didn't know. I still have questions. Listen, on your connection card, because just a couple of weeks out, we're going to bring out a sofa and a couple of chairs. And I'm going to, uh, I, I'm going to share a little bit about, uh, about the Holy Spirit finishing the series. And then we're just going to finish some questions. We'll answer some questions maybe you've had. And then I'm also going to interview different people uh, about the Holy Spirit, what the Holy Spirit is. And uh, I'm going to actually in, in, uh, interview someone who probably never talked about the Holy Spirit, but as, as they've been in this series, they just feel comfortable enough now to think about the Holy Spirit. So I'm just saying we all move one spot to another. So if you have a question, just fill that out at the end of the service. There'll be a bucket back there at each of the doors, and you can just drop that in, and we'll do our best. Don't know all the answers, but we'll try to answer those the best we can. Let's pray. Father, we thank you for your love. We thank you for being with us today. We thank you for caring for us. Thank you so much for our powerful praise and worship team. Thank you, Lord, for new musicians that you're sending us, Lord, new guitar players, new drummers, new keyboard players. Lord, we call that. We thank you for that. We thank you for a new medical team and security team that you're sending us, new children's workers, people finding their place to serve in the body of Christ. And Lord, as we come to another passage about Holy Spirit, I have some notes written down, but they're just natural notes unless you put your super on it and it becomes supernatural as you speak to us, as you speak to me, as you speak to all of us today in your name, Jesus. You may be new around the Father's house and not know what the Father's house is all about, and people say, uh, you know, how do I learn more about the Father's house? How do I plug in? How do I find my purpose in life? Well, you need to go to Growth Track. Growth Track is every first, second, third, fourth Sunday during this service, and it'll help you to do that. So if you've been to Growth Track, you'll know what I'm talking about now. You have your notes? The whole front page is just review today. Can I review? Because I know we forget things. I forget things, right? So we, we're going to uh, review. So people say, well, how do you see the Father's house? Here's the fill-in. We are a word and spirit church. Say word and spirit church say, well, what does that mean? Well, there in your notes, it just simply says this. We're a word and spirit church. That means we're committed to the functional authority of this Bible, this Bible. Every gift of the Spirit, everything we preach has to measure up with this. In the last service, between services, I had someone walk up and say, well, do you think the church is getting it right? I said, well, what do you mean by that? That's an open-ended question. What do you mean the church is getting it right? Well, I, I just don't know if the church is getting it right. Uh, you know, it just we're so full of carnality and people are not preaching. I said, how long have you been here? Oh, a couple, couple weeks. Well, hang on because I'll talk about carnality, okay? So don't, don't judge. Don't judge your past. Don't judge what God is doing by the past that you've been through, okay? It's, it's a measuring up by this. Not what somebody says on Christian TV, not what you feel, I feel, but what does the Word say about that? So whatever the Word says about, we're going to go with that. We have believe in a Christ-exalting <clears throat> operation of all the gifts of God, right? I want all the gifts of God. How about you? 
Now read this next passage with me. We're a church of born-again, spirit-led believers, followers of Jesus, who maintain a high view of discovering and fulfilling our individual destiny, who are intolerant of manipulative excess and self-serving fanaticism, yet who also desire spiritual gifts. We delight in praying for the sick, prophesying to the edification, encouragement of other believers, and experiencing the spiritual prayer language that God grants each spirit-filled believer. We are a Bible-grounded followers of Christ who are open and hungry for all that God has for us. If you're open and hungry for all that God has for us, would you just lift both your hands like that and just say, Lord, I'm hungry. I'm hungry. Look, I've been around church all of my life. I've been in ministry 53 years. But in this series, God has shown me things that I've never really thought about or seen before. So every day, I'm saying, Lord, it's me again. And I'm not smart enough, Lord. I need your word. I need your help. I want all that you have for me, okay? Our mission is, say it with me, we're bringing hope and impacting our community by leading people into a growing relationship with Jesus. And we're simply going to do that by making heaven bigger and the kingdom of God better. Amen? Wow, what a great thing. Now, let's do a review because I know maybe some of you haven't been here. You know, 10 weeks is a long time in a series, and maybe you've missed something. So I've written down all of these things so that you could have, a, uh, 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 have it right there in front of you. So we talk about different gift listings that are in the Bible. Several weeks ago, we talked about gifts that are given by God. We call those motivational gifts. You can have one or a mixture of these gifts, and that makes you who you are. These gifts are resident, abiding gifts to people who become believers. You have at least one of these. Most of you probably have a gift mix of several of those. So let me remind you of the passage. We read and we did a whole Sunday on this, but let's look at this. God's marvelous grace imparts to each one of us. How many of us? Each one. Look at your neighbor and say, you're in each. So you got at least one of these, all right? So if God has given you the grace gift of prophecy, activate your gift by using the proportion of faith you have to prophesy. If your grace gift is serving, then thrive on serving others well. If you have the grace gift of teaching, then be actively teaching and training others. If you have the grace gift of encouragement, then use it often to encourage others. If you have the grace gift of giving, to meet the needs of others, then may you prosper in your generosity without any fanfare. If you have the gift of leadership, be passionate about your leadership. If you have the gift of showing compassion, then flourish in your cheerful display of compassion. So we all have at least one of those, or maybe a gift mix. That's another reason you know to go to growth track. Because in Growth Track, they give you a simple little test. You walk through that, and you say, oh, that's me. That's why some of you, you know, when you see someone in church sitting all by themselves, you have a tendency that you want to say, why are they by themselves? And you want to go over there and sit down beside them. Why? Because you have this gift of mercy, and you just want to be there, right? I mean, and somebody that doesn't have that gift of mercy say, oh, why are they a loner? Why don't they get their act together and move over where other people are? Why do they want to isolate themselves? But you see, aren't you glad it takes all of us? It takes all of us with that gift. 
that, you know, if you stumble and fall, uh, somebody that has maybe that gift of prophecy, the reason you fell is you didn't have your eyes open and you, oh, and you didn't see what was going on, right? And then you have the others that have the gift of encouragement come along and say, okay, come on, let me help you to get up here. You can make it. But I'm so thankful that God said, I've given each of you one of these motivational gifts and it's inside of you. Now, if he's given us that gift to profit with all, we need to use it, right? So how are you using it? How would you rate yourself on a one to 10 of using your gifts in the body of Christ, here in the house or in the community, making a difference in people's lives? So the second gift list is uh, gifts given by Jesus. These are ministerial office gifts, and they come from Ephesians chapter 4, verses 11, 13. Now, these are the gifts of Christ. These are the gifts that Christ gave to the church. These are gifts from Jesus. The apostles, the prophets, the evangelists, the pastors, the teachers, their responsibility is to equip God's people to do his work and build the church, the body of Christ. In other words, these are called ascension gifts because Jesus ascended and he gave these gifts. So whether you like it or not, I'm a gift to you. Pastor Ben, it's a gift to you. Pastor Tim, our other pastors, they're gifts to you. You say, well, could I put you back in the box? Let's see if we can get another gift. But they're gifts. And, and it's not my job to do the work of winning the world. It's my job in the five-fold ascension gift of apostle, prophet, evangelist, pastor, teacher is to equip you so when you leave out of here, we can lead people into a growing relationship with Jesus and we can bring hope to our community and we can make a difference in people's lives. So their responsibility, verse 12, is to equip God's people to do his work and to build up the church, the body of Christ. This will continue until we all come to such unity in our faith and knowledge of God's Son. Have we come to total unity in the body of Christ? No. Let me just remind you of racial divide, political divide, economic divide. So we haven't come there. So people who say, well, we don't have the five-fold ascension gifts anymore. Well, are you saying that we have matured, that we're in total unity? Well, no, not really. Well, then rightly divide the word of truth and don't give me your feelings. Don't give me something Uncle Billy Bob told you, but look at the truth here. We need these ascension gifts. And these ascension gifts are leaders in church offices that lead the church, mature the church, and equip the church. And you must be plugged into a local church and have covering with any of these. Sometimes I meet people and they'll say, well, you know, I sit in this office of this, or I have this ministry of this, or I have this ministry of that. And I just simply say, then where are you plugged in? Who is your spiritual authority? Who has that? Who's giving? Who have you submitted to? Well, you know, it's just, it's me and Jesus. Well, that's unbiblical. All of these gifts are to be manifest. You say, well, yeah, but that's a big church. No, but it means that you've got to be connected somewhere in a local church to be able to flourish in those gifts. All right? Okay. So he says, well, there's apostles. Well, who's, what's an apostle? An apostle is simply one that's sent forth. Their task is to establish a Christian community in places where it never existed before. I like this quote from Kim Terrell. He says, an apostle has a burden to build something that didn't exist before. Wow, isn't that great? Second of all are prophets. 
This is a, a prophet is one who brings the word of the Lord. The office of a prophet is different from someone exercising the gift of prophecy. Just because uh, you have a motivational gift of prophecy and you're encouraging people and lifting them up, you don't call yourself a prophet. You don't want that responsibility. You call yourself to one of these offices and God hasn't called you, then you have to be responsible for that one day. You say, well, how do I know if I have the office of prophet if I stand in that? Because someone in a local church has recognized that in you and those five-fold ascension gifts say, we recognize that in you and we release you in that, we're doing that. That's why it's important to be part of a local church. It's for your safety and for the safety of others. A prophet's job in the office of a prophet is not just uh, necessarily to, prof to uh, prophesy over individuals, but someone who stands in the office of a prophet is meant to teach the church of how to hear the voice of God more clearly. That's what the office of a prophet does. An evangelist is one who motivates the church to win the lost. An evangelist is not somebody comes in and says, I'm an evangelist and I'm going to hold a revival. We're going to have a revival this week. No. An office of an evangelist is someone who says, I want to motivate you to win the lost. I mean, they get up and start talking about something, and in about 30 seconds, they're going to talk about the lost. They're going to talk about the needs in the world. Why? That's their heart. That's their heart. And their heart is to motivate you in that. And then it says, a teacher. A teacher is one who teaches the word of truth for the church, to help the church to rightly dissect, dissect the word. And then the pastor is one who shepherds God's people. So all of those collectively bring the New Testament church to where it needs to be. And then this, the next category is gifts given by Holy Spirit. These are called manifestation gifts. 1 Corinthians chapter 12, verses, one, verses 4 through 11. Uh, we looked at these earlier. Remind you again, these manifestations, spiritual gifts, do not reside within you. But they're able, the Holy Spirit can operate any of these gifts that we're going to look at this morning and next week. They operate those in you as he chooses to do that. 1 Corinthians chapter 12, beginning at verse 4. It's the same Holy Spirit who continues to distribute many different varieties of gifts. The Lord Yahweh is one. And he is the one who apportions to believers different varieties of ministries. The same God distributes different kinds of miracles that accomplish different results through each believer's gift and ministry as he energizes and activates them. Don't you love that? The Holy Spirit energizes and activates whatever gift that he wants to work for that particular situation. Each believer is given continuous revelation by the Holy Spirit to benefit not just himself, but all. For example, the Spirit gives to one the gift of the word of wisdom. To another, the same Spirit gives the gift of the word of revelation knowledge. To another, the same Spirit gives the gift of healing. To another, the same Spirit gives gifts of healings. To another, the power to work miracles. To another, the gift of prophecy. To another, the gift to discern what the Spirit is speaking. To another, the gift of speaking different kinds of tongues. To another, the gift of interpretation of tongues. Read verse 11 with me out loud. Are you ready? Go. Remember, it's the same Holy Spirit who distributes, activates, and operates these different gifts as he chooses for each believer. Now, in this Corinthians passage, we can really divide those up 
those into three broad categories. There's nine manifestation gifts here. They can be divided up into three categories of three gifts. The gifts of revelation, we'll look at in just a minute, the gifts of power, and the gifts of inspiration. All right, about two or three weeks ago, we looked at the revelation gifts. Remember those? Word of knowledge, that's to know something that you didn't know by yourself, supernaturally. The word of wisdom is a divine answer to a particular situation. Discerning of spirits is a supernatural ability to perceive what spirit is motivating someone or something. Is that of the Lord? Is that of the darkness of, of demonic spirit? Or is that just human flesh? We need to know that. So if you weren't here on that Sunday, go back and look at that. Then there are the power gifts. The gift of faith is that supernatural impartation of belief and confidence. The gifts of healings, supernatural and divine endowments of divine health. The working of miracles, supernatural divine operation of power that overrides natural laws. And then there are the inspirational gifts, inspirational gifts. These gifts declare a divine truth or a supernatural message. Say declare. So the first gifts, the first gifts are gifts that we begin to know what God is thinking and understand God. It comes to our intellect. Those second, the power gifts are all about doing something, of bringing healing, of, of discerning a spirit, and, and I mean of, of, of healing and of miracles and signs and wonders. But this, the inspiration gifts, have to do with declaring a divine truth. It's saying something, saying something. 1 Corinthians 12 and 10. And to another, the gift of prophecy. There's one. We're going to look at that one today. To another, the gift of speaking different kinds of tongues. We'll look at that next week. And another, the interpretation of tongues. Again, next week. So, that was all a warm-up. All right, so... Uh, Make sure your friend nearby you is awake, okay? Now let's get, here's point one today if you're taking notes. And if you're not taking notes, the question would be, why aren't you taking notes? If you're sitting beside somebody who's not taking notes, look at them and say, you must have a really good memory. Yeah, you must have a good memory. I'm so glad some people have a great memory. You say, why do we take notes? I take notes all the time. Why? Because I know by Wednesday I'll forget 70 or 80% of what I ever heard. And I think that maybe something might be important for me. So, take notes, all right? Hey, by the way, you have our little sermon things. I, I'm going all over the track today, aren't I? You have, you have the little sermon notes? We have free notebooks. How many of you have the notebook? Hold it up. Let's see those notebooks, all right? Hold them up. We have free notebooks for you to put your notes in. A friend of mine, Jack, who's gone on to be with the Lord, I used to kid him. Jack would come to church, Jack Pinter, he'd come to church, and inside of his Bible, he'd have like two years of handouts. i said, Jack, you're breaking your Bible altogether. Yeah, but I got them all in one place. I said, Jack, you know what? We give away free notebooks outside. Free? Yeah, free. Do I have to earn it? Do I have to be part of the Father's house? Free. What part of free? Don't you understand? I feel like a TV commercial, right? Free. And then if you'll go today, here's what else you get with that. But these are to help you put your notes in so you can go back and look at those later. We don't want you to have to just put them aside. So, understand the gift of prophecy. That's fill-in number one. Understand the gift of prophecy. Prophecy today uh, doesn't really necessarily talk about talking about something about the future. New Testament prophecy doesn't really do that. Here's a good definition of New Testament prophecy. I've got it there in your notes, and you can do a fill-in. It's a message of encouragement from God 
delivered through a human vessel to another person or persons. Would you read that with me today, together on the screen? Number one, understand the gift of prophecy. Here's the definition. It's a message of encouragement from God delivered through a human vessel to another person or persons. It's a message of what? Encouragement. encouragement not discouragement. And it's not a message of correction or rebuke or judgment. I've met people in my life that say, oh yeah, you know, I, I have, the gift of prophecy works through me and I can walk in a room and I can tell a person their sins and they're going to die and go to hell. Is that encouraging? No, that's kind of discouraging. They already know their life sucks, okay? So, so here's what it says. This is Bible, folks. I don't care what you've seen on Christian TV or what somebody has modeled for you. This is Bible. You say, well, where is it? Well, here's the next verse. Look at this. 1 Corinthians 14 and 3. Read it out loud with me. But when someone prophesies, he speaks to encourage people, to build them up, and to bring them comfort. So if somebody says that they're prophesying about something, then I'm going to look. Is it encouraging people or is it discouraging people? Is it building people up or is it tearing people down? Is it bringing comfort to people or is it causing them pressure? So the scripture, that's New Testament. That's Bible. You say, well, I, I thought it was something there. That's Bible. That's New Testament. That's what it simply says that it should be to encourage, build up people, and bring them comfort. Why is that important? Because 1 Corinthians 14 and 1 says, it's good that you're enthusiastic and passionate about spiritual gifts. Are you enthusiastic and passionate about spiritual gifts? I asked you last week, every day let's pray, Lord, use me with whatever spiritual gift that you want to manifest. I hope you've been praying that. I prayed that. I had several meetings this week that I really didn't know how, how to have. You ever been in a meeting where you feel like that it's just over your head of what to say? To help somebody and we, we we see somebody in a need you know i had a couple of phone calls this week and 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 trying to encourage people and i'm thinking as i'm listening i'm thinking lord this this really hurts and i don't know what to say so lord would you please allow a word of knowledge or a word of wisdom or just the gift of prophecy to work through me because we can go and we can sit with a psychiatrist but a psychiatrist can't always get to the root of where we are. But you see, when you sit down with the Holy Spirit, who's the Paracletos, the one who comes alongside of us, when I don't know what to say, he can give me the words, he can give me the encouragement that I might need for somebody else. If you receive that today, say amen. Thank you, God. Paul says, I want you, I want you to want the gifts of the Spirit. And any spirit-filled believer can prophesy. It's not just for elite Christians, but anybody could do that. You know what? Here's how it works for you. you uh, you're going about your, your work this week, you know, and, and uh, uh, for instance, you know, Pastor Chris here's on the front row, and maybe we're doing something, and all of a sudden I'm, I'm doing something else, and the Lord brings Pastor Chris's face to me, and I'm thinking, well, how, I wonder why he did that. But you see, that's how the Holy Spirit often brings to the place that we then can prophesy, bring a word of encouragement to someone. And, you know, and, and so I, I just simply can call him or send him a text and say, you know, because he really needs a lot of encouragement and prayer, you know, so you just know that. Ask Casey. Ask Casey. She can help. And I just simply say, Chris, I don't know what's going on. You don't always have to say, 
Thus saith the word of the Lord. And then at the end, thus saith God. Why do you do that? It's because of what you modeled. That's why you saw it. It's just like in prayer. Most of us pray according to how we've been modeled. New Testament prophecy doesn't have to be, yes, I feel I have a word from the Lord for you. Well, that scares the bejeebies out of me right there, okay? Especially if it's somebody that I'm not in relationship with. And then after you give the word of encouragement and building up, then at the end you don't have to say, thus saith the Lord. Here's what I say. Tim and I were at a pastor's meeting this week, a prayer group, several pastors in town. Some are spirit-filled, some are uh, charismatic, some are Pentecostal, some are not. And in the midst of all that, we, just, we never compare notes. We just pray and encourage one another. But at the end of the service, I felt like one of the pastors, the Lord gave me an encouraging word. You can say, well, what was it? Was it, was it a prophecy? Yeah, I think it was a prophecy. But I didn't say to him, I feel like I have a prophecy for you. I just simply said, you know, as we're praying, I just, I just felt this nudge to say to you, and I shared with him. Tears welled up in his eyes. And I simply said to him, as I say to anyone that I give a word to, did that make sense to you? Did that make sense? Sometimes people say, well, no, it didn't make sense. I say, okay, file it away. Sometime you might want it. Or maybe I could have been off, off track. But I feel good because I shared that word of encouragement for you. You understand? Let's don't scare people. Let's don't make this more weird than, than people have come up with. But it, the spirit is, is a spirit of encouragement. So now that I said that, let me talk about the prophetic, the pathetic, and the, and the preposterous. <sighs> yeah, the prophetic, the pathetic, and the preposterous. Why? Because we've seen the pathetic instead of the prophetic. Can I get an amen? amen? Pastor was telling me last week, a couple weeks ago, about this large church in, in the city I won't mention. He had a prophet come through. And the prophet got up and he prophesied, the devil is the prince of the power of the air. And he sends out airwaves to get into your brain to cause you to compromise your godly mindset. But the Lord says, yea, if you wear 10 hats on your head, I'm telling you the truth. If you wear 10 hats on your head, that it keeps the devil's airways from getting into your brain. You say, surely nobody would be gullible. The pastor said, hundreds of my people bought his 10 hats and they started wearing the 10 hats. Pathetic. Pathetic. I was reading this other prophet came into a church and he said, the other day I went down to the ocean. I felt like God said, go to the ocean. And these dolphins came up. And God gave me the ability to talk with these dolphins. And these dolphins told me what I needed to prophesy. Pathetic. That's what I say, pathetic. Listen, folks, I've been in the ministry 53 years. And I've seen, and my life has been improved by prophetic words that people would give to me. How about you? So I'm not diminishing prophetic words that come for encouragement. But I'm just simply saying, people say, well, you know, it's just, it's just if it's a prophetic word, you've got to accept it. No. No. You don't have to accept it. That's point two. Number two, don't despise, but test prophecies. Say, test prophecies. 
1 Thessalonians 5 and 20, do not despise prophecies, test all things, hold fast to what is good. Why would Paul say, don't despise prophecy? Because of the pathetic. Because of what you've seen, what I've seen in person, Christian TV, or stories, right? Pastor Steve was here a few weeks ago when he was pastoring in Auckland, New Zealand. There was a prophet that was going around the different cities, uh, different churches in Auckland, and saying, God is getting ready to judge our city with an earthquake because of the sin in our city. And Pastor Steve said, the TV station called and said, what's your take on this prophecy? Because a prophet was saying, fill up your bathtubs with water because we're going to have an earthquake and there won't be any water available. So what do you think about this? He said, it's not of God. He said, well, what do you mean it's not of God? I thought it was a prophecy. You're supposed to believe prophecies. He said, no, you misunderstand. The Bible says that we're to judge prophecies. Well, how do you judge it, they said. Well, Romans says that God poured out his full wrath on Jesus. Therefore, God is no longer judging cities and nations and pouring out his wrath on them because if he did, then the sacrifice of Jesus and the atonement that was put upon him would not have been sufficient. Whoa, that stirs up a little religious spirit in us, doesn't it? Well, I heard them on Christian TV. They said that 911 was a judgment of God upon New York because of our sin. I heard that Hurricane Katrina was a judgment of God upon our. Then, if that's true, then you've got to say the wrath that God poured out upon Jesus was not sufficient. You say, well, what is it? It is you reap what you sow. If you sow sin, if you sow carnality, if you sow rebellion, you're going to reap that as a city or as individuals. But don't you say that prophetically that was God bringing that. No, that's not a prophetic word. A prophetic word encourages and builds up, and it doesn't tear down, it doesn't condemn. But we have to be strong enough to judge that. It is either right or it's wrong. Someone said, well, you know, yeah, you know, uh, I heard that Trump would become president again. Well, clearly that didn't happen. Did you judge that word? Or did you just accept it because that's what you wanted? This is not a political message today. And I hear some of you turning and saying, well, there's another election coming up. That's right. And if somebody prophesies, he's going to take that. And if he doesn't get elected, then guess what? You don't go crying in the corner and saying, well, everybody went wrong because I had a prophetic word that that was going to happen. If you give a prophetic word, you better be sure that you're ready for that prophetic word to be judged. Or you find people today that are so confused by all of these people that just come with random prophetic words that they have for you. I get words. I get, I get people calling all the time. We've been here 25 years. I'll get people give them a call and say, hey, I need to talk to the pastor there because the Lord sent me and I have a I need to come to the church and, and speak I have a prophetic word so I say hello yeah I'm prophet so-and-so and so-and-so and so and God spoke to me told me to come to your church and I'm supposed to release a prophetic word when can I come I said do I know you no are you in relationship with anybody a spiritual covering that I know no and guess what I have no place for you Say, what are you saying? You, you, you don't believe outside words to speak to you? No. I trust and I believe in you so much. 
I'm not going to bring somebody in who thinks they have a hot shot ministry and let you be, a, be part of their whole conditioning because they're not an inner authority. And I'll say to somebody, who are you in, who are you in, uh, who are you in covering with? Who's your pastor? Give me his phone number. I want to call him, and I want to find out how faithful you are in that local church. You're not going to come in and blow into the Father's house and say you have a ministry and stand up. Now, if you have that, you come in, you go to growth track, you get through growth track, you find a place to serve, park cars, clean the toilets, do something like that before you'll ever be lifted up in a ministry and then stand on this stage and, and speak into you. I'm telling you, if, if somebody comes to this stage, they've been through times that I know they're background. I know they're, they're under authority. And it's not just they say, well, I'm Mr. Prophet Big Shot. Well, Mr. Prophet Big Shot, then you need to find a place to submit into a local church and live what the Bible says, and then let me know by your fruit, and then I might give you a place. You see, I have a shepherd's staff. And for people that are hurting, I'll use that shepherd's staff to redeem them. And false prophets, I'm going to use it to hit them over their head. That's another thing I want to say. Don't just, you know, I know in here I say lay your hands on somebody, but I didn't give anybody a chance to prophesy over you. You, you know, in the, in the foyer, that's not a place. That's not a place. You need to be careful who lays hands on you and prays for you. I, I don't let just let anybody. Now, what we did in here, that was instructed. I watched. There were elders around that was watching so that nobody would take advantage of you. You say, why is that important? I was talking to another pastor today, and he said, you know, just, there's so many of these false prophets, and I'm getting ahead of myself because of the scripture said, Jesus said, beware of false prophets, but I think it might fit here. He said, I was in a church, and, and, a, and a church where that this guy got up and said, uh, you know, you need to come up to me, and you need to confess your sins. And if people would come up, or if they wouldn't, and then he would find attractive young ladies and he would say the Lord says to me that there's a secret sin in your life and you need to get rid of it you need to come up here and let me pray for you and then he would say to them what's your name give me your phone number because I feel like that God wants me to give a word to you later and so then that pastor began to find out one after another this man took advantage of those girls committed adultery with them and destroyed their life. We don't play games around here. We don't do that kind of shenanigans. It's not the place to have. You say, well, then how do we judge? The scripture says in 1 Corinthians 14, 29, let two or three prophets speak and let the others judge. Write this down. Never take a prophecy in private. Never take a prophecy in private. If somebody comes up to you and say, I feel like I have a prophetic word, you say, okay, I'd love to hear it, but let me invite this person and this person to come and stand and listen to that, and then we will judge that prophetic word. I'm not going to let just anybody that says that they have a prophetic word speak into my mind because then I'll begin to think, well, is that true? Is that really real? Is that? No. You get somebody, and after a person gives that prophetic word, then you simply say to them, well, yeah, that lines up. That, that seems to make sense. In this house, uh, we have people that are very prophetic, and here's what we do. We say to anybody, if you feel like you have a prophetic word, write it down. Write it down. 
You don't stand up and ask for attention. You write it down. You go to an usher, and you say, I feel like I have a prophetic word, and uh, usher will bring you over to Pastor Tim or to Pastor Ben, somebody that's here. They'll read that word. They'll ask me to read that word, and we will judge that word whether it's for the right now because some words may not be for right now. Some words may be for later or if it's for this house or if it's not. For a couple of Sundays ago, if you were here, uh, Pastor Tim came up while Anita was here and said, uh, Lisa wrote out this prophetic word in the first service, and it really seems to fit here. We both judged that, and we said it's accurate, and now is the time to do that. So you see, we believe that anybody, God can give a gift of prophecy working through anybody in this house. So you write it down. You get up, go to an usher, and say, I need to see Pastor Tim. I feel like I have a prophetic word, or Pastor Ben, and they'll read that. So don't get your, don't get your panties all in a wad if they don't get up and read it, and you probably will not stand on the stage and get it. We will judge it. We will read it. Why? Because I love you guys, and I'm not going to let just anything come from this stage into your life. I don't want somebody contaminating your mind with something that may not be of the Lord. Is that okay? It says, when somebody prophesies, he speaks to encourage people to build them up and to bring comfort. So the acid test of whether it's a prophecy of God is what? Does it encourage me? Does it build up? Does it bring comfort? You don't use prophecy to solve disagreements. Men, you don't say, yay, yay, the Lord would say to me, woman, Here's what you should do. No. I tried that once. Just kidding. But I know some of you are thinking, if I said that to my wife, it'd be a week before I'd get up, right? You don't solve disagreements. I was part of a denomination that when they would come to a, a, a stalemate on what decision they should make, they would pray, and then somebody would get up, and they'd, uh, pro they'd give out a tongue or a prophecy, and somebody would interpret it, and making that whole decision swayed to what that one person would say, and you never knew their fruit, you never knew where they were, and I'm telling you, that's not Bible, and nobody should ever live that way, and that's not the way the Scripture wants. It's not used to control people, it's not to get what you want, and it's not taken as infallible. It, just because somebody says it doesn't mean that it's infallible. So here it is at the end of your notes. How can I judge this word if it's a prophetic word? Does it build up and encourage, or does it tear down and create disunity, fear, doubt, and self-contempt? Does the word have a tendency to encourage? Does the word have a tendency to bring comfort, or does it lead to despair? You use that. So what are your next steps? Pastor Tim said just a few minutes ago that we'd all have a next step today and take out that card. Maybe today your decision is that you need to become a first-time follower of Jesus. Or you need to recommit your life to Jesus or other. Let me give you a, a couple of things. To write. The reason I want you to write it down, and as you leave today, you can drop it in the bucket as you go out. Because I, we want to pray over these. Pastor Tim, we want to take these setting in our staff meeting. And on Thursday, we want to anoint them and pray over them and believe. So here's one thing I'd like for you to do. Here's the next step I'll suggest, and you, you can add to it, that I'd like for you to pray for and desire and activate the gifts of the Spirit. Activate your motivational gift. Find a place to serve. Uh, in our security team, there's openings. In our medical teams, there's openings. I saw the keyboard was empty today. Uh, there's an opening. I, I see there's openings sometimes of the kids next door. There's all of these openings, a place for you to use your motivational gifts.
So use them, use them, use them. Second of all, I would encourage you to come on Wednesday night. Let me tell you, early this week, early in the morning, the Lord gave me a word, fresh word. I've never taught this word before. And the, word, and the Lord said to me, Terry, this is not an evil day. This is the evil day. And then the Lord began to just reveal to me how that all hell has broken loose on some people. Maybe you know somebody like that. They feel so overwhelmed. It's not the normal. It's not the normal ups and downs that you're facing right now. It's something above you. When you're under a major attack and you're being shattered, your dreams are destroyed, your hopes are dimmed, what is it? It's the evil day. Here's what the Lord said. Hell is after my people. And some of them, their name has come up. And they're facing the evil day. Wednesday night, I'm going to share with you what do we do when we're facing that evil day? When we feel like we have no hope, we have no strength, what do we do? What do we do? We're going to lay hands on and pray over people Wednesday night. It's going to be a special time. So what is it for you? What is your next step? Write it down and let us pray with you about that. Would you mind bowing your heads and praying about that yourself, Lord? What is, what is my next step? Maybe for some of you today, your next step is to receive Jesus as your Savior. The question is, if you were to die today, and you would get to heaven, and the Lord would say to you, why would I let you in my heaven? Well, I went to church, or I did this. No, there's only one reason. It's because I've invited Jesus Christ into my heart and in my life and asked him to forgive me of my sins. Or maybe you're here today and say, you know, years ago, I, I, I once was close to the Lord, but right now I feel like I've drifted away from Him. And today you need to rededicate your life to Him. Here's what I'd like for you to do is this church is praying for you and as people have been praying all week long, we have a prayer team that comes in here. There's another area for you to volunteer is to be part of the prayer team. We have people that come in here throughout the week and pray over this church, pray over the seat that you're sitting in. But if you're here today and you've never invited Jesus into your heart and into your life, or you need to rededicate your life to him today, you're in the house or you're watching online, and you say, Terry, I need that prayer in my life. Would you raise your hand and make eye contact with me and say, yeah, that's me. Would you lead me in that prayer today? I, wanna, I need to pray that prayer today. I need that prayer. Inviting Christ into my life, rededicating my life to the Lord. That's me today. I need to do that. Those of you that are watching online, would you do the same thing? Just lift your hand right there. Now, let me pray with you, lead you in a prayer for those of you that are here that need to do that today. Pray this prayer with me. We can all pray it together. Father God, thank you today for dying for my sins. I repent of my sins, and I ask you to come into my life and to be my Savior. As best as I know how, I want to serve you all the days of my life. Fill me with your spirit. In Jesus' name, I pray. Church, would you celebrate with me this morning with those who prayed that prayer? It's our honor to play a small part in all that God is doing in your life. We would love to continue with you on that journey. To find out what your next steps might be, visit thefathershouse.com next. Join us next week as we continue to love God, help people, and build the kingdom.